0: Chapter Twenty Two Something to Do This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Clarica. Eight Cousins by Louisa May Alcott. Chapter Twenty Two Something to Do. Whatever danger there might have been from the effects of that sudden chill, it was soon over, though, of course, Aunt Myra refused to believe it, and Dr. Alec cherished his girl with redoubled vigilance and tenderness for months afterward. Rose quite enjoyed being sick, because as soon as the pain ended the fun began, and for a week or two she led the life of a little princess secluded in the bower, while everyone served, amused, and watched over her in the most delightful manner. But the doctor was called away to see an old friend, who was dangerously ill, and then Rose felt like a young bird deprived of its mother's sheltering wing, especially on one afternoon when the ants were taking their naps, and the house was very still within, while snow fell softly without. I'll go and hunt up Phoebe. She is always nice and busy, and likes to have me help her. "'If Dolly is out of the way, we can make caramels and surprise the boys when they come,' Rose said to herself, as she threw down her book and felt ready for society of some sort. She took the precaution to peep through the slide before she entered the kitchen, for Dolly allowed no messing when she was round. But the coast was clear, and no one but Phoebe appeared, sitting at the table with her head on her arms, apparently asleep. Rose was just about to wake her with a boo!' when she lifted her head, dried her wet eyes with her blue apron, and fell to work with a resolute face on something she was evidently much interested in. Rose could not make out what it was, and her curiosity was greatly excited, for Phoebe was writing with a sputtering pen on some bits of brown paper, apparently copying something from a little book. I must know what the dear thing is about, and why she cried and then set her lips tight and went to work with all her might," thought Rose, forgetting all about the caramels, and, going round to the door, she entered the kitchen, saying pleasantly, "'Phoebe, I want something to do. Can't you let me help you about anything, or shall I be in the way?' "'Oh, dear, no, miss. I always love to have you round when things are tidy. What would you like to do?' answered Phoebe, opening a drawer as if about to sweep her own affairs out of sight but rose stopped her exclaiming like a curious child let me see what is it i won't tell if you'd rather not have dolly know i'm only trying to study a bit but i'm so stupid i don't get on much answered the girl reluctantly permitting her little mistress to examine the poor contrivances she was trying to work with a broken slate that had blown off the roof an inch or two of pencil an old almanac for a reader several bits of brown or yellow paper, ironed smoothly and sewn together for a copy-book, and the copy sundry receipts written in Aunt Plenty's neat hand. These, with a small bottle of ink and a rusty pen, made up Phoebe's outfit, and it was little wonder that she did not get on, in spite of the patient persistence, that dried the desponding tears and drove along the sputtering pen with a will. You may laugh if you want to, Miss Rose, I know my things are queer, and that's why I hide them, but I don't mind since you've found me out, and I ain't a bit ashamed except of being so backward at my age,' said Phoebe humbly, though her cheeks grew redder as she washed out some crooked capitals with a tear or two not yet dried upon the slate. "'Laugh at you. I feel more like crying to think what a selfish girl I am, to have loads of books and things, and never remember to give you some, why didn't you come and ask me and not go struggling along alone in this way? It was very wrong of you, Phoebe, and I'll never forgive you if you do so again. Answered Rose with one hand on Phoebe's shoulder while the other gently turned the leaves of the poor little copy-book. I didn't like to ask for anything more when you were so good to me all the time, Miss dear began Phoebe. "'looking up with grateful eyes. "'Oh, you proud thing, just as if it wasn't fun to give away, "'and I had the best of it. "'Now see here, I've got a plan, and you mustn't say no, "'or I shall scold. "'I want something to do, and I'm going to teach you all I know. "'It won't take long.' "'And Rose laughed as she put her arm around Phoebe's neck "'and patted the smooth, dark head with the kind little hand "'that so loved to give.' It would be just heavenly, and Phoebe's face shone at the mere idea, but fell again as she added wistfully, "'Only I'm afraid I ought not to let you do it, Miss Rose. It will take time, and maybe the doctor wouldn't like it. He didn't want me to study much, but he never said a word about teaching, and I don't believe he will mind a bit. Anyway, we can try it till he comes, so pack up your things and go right to my room, and we'll begin this very day.' I truly like to do it, and we'll have nice times. See if we don't, cried Rose eagerly. It was a pretty sight to see Phoebe bundle her humble outfit into her apron, and spring up as if the desire of her heart had suddenly been made a happy fact to her. It was a still prettier sight to see Rose run gaily on before, smiling like a good fairy as she beckoned to the other, singing as she went. The way into my parlour is up a winding stair and many are the curious things I'll show you when you're there. Will you, will you walk in, Phoebe, dear? Oh, won't I, answered Phoebe fervently, adding, as they entered the bower, You are the dearest spider that ever was, and I'm the happiest fly. I'm going to be very strict, so sit down in that chair and don't say a word till school is ready to open, ordered Rose, delighted with the prospect of such useful and pleasant something to do so phoebe sat demurely in her place while her new teacher laid forth books and slates a pretty inkstand and a little globe hastily tore a bit off her big sponge sharpened pencils with more energy than skill and when all was ready gave a prance of satisfaction that sent the pupil laughing now the school is open and i shall hear you read so that i may know in which class to put you miss moore began rose with great dignity as she laid a book before her scholar, and sat down in the easy-chair with a long rule in her hand. Phoebe did pretty well, only tripping now and then over a hard word, and pronouncing identical, identical, in a sober way that tickled Rose, though never a smile betrayed her. The spelling lesson which followed was rather discouraging. Phoebe's ideas of geography were very vague, and grammar was nowhere the pupil protested that she tried so hard to talk nice like educated folks that dolly called her a stuck-up piece who didn't know her place dolly's an old goose so don't you mind her for she will say nater, vittles and do's as long as she lives and insist that they are right you do talk very nicely phoebe i've observed it and grammar will help you and show you some things are right and others ain't are not i mean added rose correcting herself, and feeling that she must mind her own parts of speech if she was to serve as an example for Phoebe. When the arithmetic came, the little teacher was surprised to find her scholar quicker in some things than herself, for Phoebe had worked away at the columns in the butcher's and baker's books till she could add so quickly and correctly that Rose was amazed, and felt that in this branch the pupil would soon excel the teacher if she kept on at the same pace. Her praise cheered Phoebe immensely, and they went bravely on, both getting so interested that the time flew unheeded, till Aunt Plenty appeared, exclaiming, as she stared at the two heads bent over one slate. Bless my heart, what is going on now? School, Auntie, I'm teaching Phoebe, and it's great fun, cried Rose, looking up with a bright face. But Phoebe's was brighter, though she added with a wistful look. Maybe I ought to have asked leave first. Only when Miss Rose proposed this, I was so happy I forgot to. Shall I stop, ma'am? Of course not, child. I'm glad to see you fond of your book, and to find Rose helping you along. My blessed mother used to sit at work with her maids about her, teaching them many a useful thing in the good old fashion that's gone by now. Only don't neglect your work, dear, or let the books interfere with the duties.' As Aunt Plenty spoke, with her kind old face beaming approvingly on the girls, Phoebe glanced at the clock, saw that it pointed to five, knew that Dolly would soon be down, expecting to find preparations for supper under way, and, hastily dropping her pencil, she jumped up, saying, "'Please, can I go? I'll clear up after I've done my chores.' "'School is dismissed,' answered Rose, and with a grateful thank-you heaps and heaps." Phoebe ran away singing the multiplication-table as she set the tea ditto. That was the way it began, and for a week the class of one went on with great pleasure and profit to all concerned, for the pupil proved a bright one and came to her lessons as to a feast, while the young teacher did her best to be worthy the high opinion held of her, for Phoebe firmly believed that Miss Rose knew everything in the way of learning. Of course the lads found out what was going on, and chaffed the girls about the seminary, as they called the new enterprise, but they thought it a good thing on the whole, kindly offered to give lessons in Greek and Latin gratis, and decided among themselves that Rose was a little trump to give the Phoebe-bird such a capital boost. Rose herself had some doubts as to how it would strike her uncle— and concocted a wheedlesome speech which should at once convince him that it was the most useful wholesome and delightful plan ever devised but she got no chance to deliver her address for dr alec came upon her so unexpectedly that it went out of her head entirely she was sitting on the floor in the library poring over a big book laid open in her lap and knew nothing of the long-desired arrival till two large warm hands met under her chin and gently turned her head back, so that some one could kiss her heartily on either cheek, while a fatherly voice said, half reproachfully, "'Why is my girl brooding over a dusty encyclopedia, when she ought to be running to meet the old gentleman who couldn't get on another minute without her?' "'Oh, Uncle, I'm so glad, and so sorry. Why didn't you let us know what time you'd be here, or call out the minute you came? Haven't I been homesick for you?' And now I'm so happy to have you back I could hug your dear old curly head off!" cried Rose, as the encyclopedia went down with a bang, and she up with a spring that carried her into Dr. Alec's arms, to be kept there in the sort of embrace a man gives to the dearest creature the world holds for him. Presently he was in his easy chair with Rose upon his knee, smiling up in his face and talking as fast as her tongue could go, while he watched her with an expression of supreme content as he stroked the smooth, round cheek, or held the little hand in his, rejoicing to see how rosy was the one, how plump and strong the other. Have you had a good time? Did you save the poor lady? Aren't you glad to be home again with your girl to torment you? Yes, to all those questions. Now tell me what you've been at, little sinner. Auntie Plynn says you want to consult me about some new and remarkable project which you have dared to start in my absence she didn't tell you, I hope. Not a word more, except you were rather doubtful how I'd take it, and so wanted to fess yourself and get round me as you always try to do, though you don't often succeed. Now then, own up and take the consequences. So Rose told about her school, in her pretty, earnest way, dwelling on Phoebe's hunger for knowledge, and the delight it was to help her, adding with a wise nod, and it helps me too, uncle, for she is so quick and eager I have to do my best, or she will get ahead of me in some things. Today, now, she had the word cotton in a lesson, and asked all about it, and I was ashamed to find I really knew so little that I could only say that it was a plant that grew down south in a kind of pod, and was made into cloth. That's what I was reading up when you came, and to-morrow I shall tell her all about it, and indigo too.' so you see it teaches me also, and is as good as a general review of what I've learned, in a pleasanter way than going over it alone. You artful little baggage! That's the way you expect to get round me, is it? That's not studying, I suppose. No, sir, it's teaching, and please, I like it much better than having a good time by myself. Besides, you know, I adopted Phoebe and promised to be a sister to her, so I am bound to keep my word, am I not? "'answered Rose, looking both anxious and resolute as she waited for her sentence. "'Dr. Alec was evidently already one, for Rose had described the old slate and brown paper copy-book "'with a pathetic effect, and the excellent man had not only decided to send Phoebe to school "'long before the story was done, but reproached himself for forgetting his duty to one little girl "'in his love for another.' So when Rose tried to look meek and failed utterly, he laughed and pinched her cheek, and answered in that genial way which adds such warmth and grace to any favor. "'I haven't the slightest objection in the world. In fact, I was beginning to think I might let you go at your books again, moderately, since you are so well, and this is an excellent way to try your powers. Phoebe is a brave, bright lass, and shall have a fair chance in the world,' if we can give it to her, so that if she ever finds her friends they need not be ashamed of her. "'I think she has found some already,' began Rose, eagerly. "'Hey, what? Has anyone turned up since I've been gone?' asked Dr. Alec quickly, for it was a firm belief in the family that Phoebe would prove to be somebody sooner or later. "'No, her best friend turned up when you came home, Uncle,' answered Rose with an approving pat adding gratefully, I can't half thank you for being so good to my girl, but she will because I know she is going to make a woman to be proud of. She's so strong and true and loving. Bless your heart, dear. I haven't begun to do anything yet. More shame to me. But I'm going at it now, and as soon as she gets on a bit, she shall go to school as long as she likes. How will that do for a beginning? It will be just heavenly, as Phoebe says— for it is the wish of her life to get lots of schooling, and she will be too happy when I tell her. May I please? It will be so lovely to see the dear thing open her big eyes and clap her hands at the splendid news. No one shall have a finger in this nice little pie. You shall do it all yourself. Only don't go too fast or make too many castles in the air, my dear, for time and patience must go into this pie of ours if it is to turn out well." only when it is open won't the birds begin to sing laughed rose taking a turn about the room as a vent for the joyful emotions that made her eyes shine all of a sudden she stopped and asked soberly if phoebe goes to school who will do her work i'm willing if i can come here and i'll tell you a secret dolly's bones are getting so troublesome and her dear old temper so bad that the aunts have decided to pension her off, and let her go and live with her daughter, who has married very well. I saw her this week, and she'd like to have her mother come, so in the spring we shall have a grand change, and get a new cook and chamber girl, if any can be found, to suit our honored relatives. Oh me, how can I ever get on without Phoebe? Couldn't she stay, just so I could see her? I'd pay her board rather than have her go, I'm so fond of her how Dr. Alec laughed at that proposal, and how satisfied Rose was when he explained that Phoebe was still to be her maid, with no duties except such as she could easily perform between school hours. She is a proud creature for all her humble ways, and even from us would not take a favor if she did not earn it somewhere. So this arrangement makes it all square and comfortable, you see, and she will pay for the schooling by curling these Goldilocks a dozen times a day if you let her. "'Your plans are always so wise and kind. That's why they work so well, I suppose, and why people let you do what you like with them. I really don't see how other girls get along without an Uncle Alec,' answered Rose, with a sigh of pity for those who had missed so great a blessing. When Phoebe was told the splendid news, she did not stand on her head with rapture, as Charlie prophesied she would, but took it quietly, because it was such a happy thing she had no words big and beautiful enough to thank the men, she said, but every hour of her day was brightened by this granted wish, and dedicated to the service of those who gave it. Her heart was so full of content that it overflowed in music and the sweet voice, singing all about the house, gave thanks so blithely that no other words were needed. Her willing feet were never tired of taking steps for those who had smoothed her way, her skillful hands were always busy in some labor of love for them, and on the face, fast-growing in comeliness, there was an almost womanly expression of devotion, which proved how well Phoebe had already learned one of life's greatest lessons, gratitude. End of chapter 22